Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. Also streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 368. Today's topic is the Iran-Saudi Arabia peace deal. So this comes out of Friday, March 10th. I'm speaking on Monday, March 13th, 2023. In the New York Times, there's an article titled, Chinese Brokered Deal Upends Mideast Diplomacy and Challenges the U.S. The agreement negotiated in Beijing to restore relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran signaled at least a temporary reordering of the usual alliances and rivalries, with Washington left on the sidelines. So what's going on here is that China, with President Xi Jinping, has brokered a deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Iran and Saudi Arabia have not had formal diplomatic relations since an incident occurred in 2016. This would take us back to the late part of the Obama administration. But there was a a high-level Iranian cleric that was executed for terrorism in Saudi Arabia. And since that time, uh, they broke off relations and they've been at war with each other. In the New York Times the next day, it read, After years of open hostility and proxy conflicts across the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and Iran have agreed to reestablish diplomatic ties, they announced on Friday, in a significant pivot for the two regional rivals that was facilitated by China. China hosted the talks that led to the breakthrough highlighting Beijing's growing role as a global economic and political power and counterbalance to Washington. In other words, Washington, D.C. is not in charge anymore, at least for now, in the Middle East. And uh, this article from the New York Times refers to the Middle East as a region that was long shaped by military and diplomatic involvement by the United States. In Reuters on Friday, there's a headline that reads, Iran and Saudi Arabia agree to resume ties in talks brokered by China. It says, Tehran and Riyadh, in other words, Tehran, the capital of Iran, and Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia, Tehran and Riyadh agreed to resume diplomatic relations and reopen embassies within two months, according to a statement issued by Iran, Saudi Arabia, and China. The agreement includes their affirmation of the respect for the sovereignty of states and the non-interference in internal affairs, it said. The headline from an article in Politico reads, China brokers deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia after seven-year dispute. Tehran and Riyadh agree to resume diplomatic relations following closed-door talks in Beijing this week. Regional rivals Iran and Saudi Arabia had been locked in a diplomatic dispute since 2016. The Iranian cleric who was 
executed in Saudi Arabia. His name was Sheikh Nimr al-Nimr. He and 46 others, um, the execution of al-Nimr and 46 others led to heated demonstrations by Iranian protesters at the Saudi Arabian embassy in January of 2016, after which Saudi Arabia broke off ties with Iran. Not only that, but there was an incident in 2019 in which Iran allegedly attacked Saudi Arabian oil facilities. So that's more of the mainstream media, Reuters, New York Times, Politico, more mainstream Washington establishment media. Here's what the lefty media has to say. It's a bit more celebratory and also, I think, a bit more analytical. It names these different places in the Middle East where Iran-backed forces uh, kind of square off against Saudi-backed forces. So the headline of the article is Seismic Iran-Saudi Rapprochement Isolates the U.S. Seismic meaning it sent shockwaves through the region. It says, in Lebanon, Iran-backed Hezbollah and Saudi-backed parties might begin to resolve their differences, a unity that would worry Israel and lessen U.S. influence in the country. In Syria, Hezbollah and Iranian militias have been battling Saudi-backed jihadists for more than a decade. In Yemen, there's a terrible situation going on there, and it amounts to Iran-backed forces and and Saudi-backed forces. Also in Iraq, there are Sunni and Shia. So Sunni is, um, Saudi Arabia is majority Sunni, Iran is majority Shia. And if there's a reconciliation of Sunni and Shia sides in Iraq, Then it says here, according to the Consortium News article, the the U.S. presence and influence could become irrelevant and unwelcomed by all. Also in Bahrain, there's Shia and Sunni conflict that could lessen with peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And in Saudi Arabia itself, the, the minority Shiites could be, you know, not so hot and bothered if there's peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran. This is Hart Hagen. You're listening to The Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. Here's a telling headline in Reuters. It says, Saudis kept U.S. informed on talks with Iran. In other words, the U.S. is not involved in this, but... We're going to call you on the phone. We're going to give you a telephone call. But you're not invited. It says Saudi Arabia kept Washington informed of its talks with Iran to restore diplomatic relations, but the United States was not directly involved, White House spokesman John Kirby said on Friday. In other words, when we're asked what's going on there, we have to say something And we can't say we're involved, so we have to say they're keeping us informed. They're sending us an email from time to time. 
John Kirby is a White House spokesman on national security affairs, and he says, The Saudis did keep us informed about these talks that they were having, just as we keep them informed on our engagements, but we weren't directly involved. He also said, see if this is believable, but he said, we support any efforts to de-escalate tensions there and in the region. We think it's in our interest, and it's something that we worked on through our own effective combination of deterrence and diplomacy. Hmm, really? I would have thought that the U.S. tends to thrive on conflict and keeping people, you know, at odds with each other. Divide and conquer. Divide and rule. And Kirby said this, it's not clear that this arrangement affects uh, Saudi ties with Israel or is designed uh, to to deal with that. But we obviously continue to support normalization. In other words, you know, it's in the U.S. interest to keep Israel and Saudi Arabia allied with each other. But guess who loses if that happens? The Palestinians lose, because the Palestinians are Arab, uh, mainly Arab. The Palestinians are mainly Muslim. And the Palestinians, to some extent, rely on the support of Arab states outside of Israel. But that support is not as helpful or as meaningful if the Arab states are at odds with each other or if some of those Arab states are allied with Israel. Now, let's look at the text of this agreement. I haven't said very much before now about a very significant element of this agreement, which is the fact that it was brokered by China and it was reached in Beijing. It's like, What are these Arab states doing in China, in Beijing, in talks that are being orchestrated by the Chinese government? What's up with that? Well, we're going to see what's up with that. Here is a joint trilateral statement by the People's Republic of China, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and the Islamic Republic of Iran. China, Saudi Arabia, and Iran. It says the following is the full text of a joint statement released by the People's Republic of China, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and the Islamic Republic of Iran on Friday. So this is a joint statement. This is all three countries talking at once in unison in this joint statement. It says, in response to the noble initiative of His Excellency, President Xi Jinping, President of the People's Republic of China, of China's support for developing good neighborly relations between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran. A couple of terms pop off of the page here. One is noble initiative and the other is His Excellency, President Xi Jinping. You know, His Excellency, they are, that seems like a very warm and adulatory statement. It's like they are singing the praises of President Xi Jinping. Maybe this is formal diplomatic speak. Maybe it's standard language, but it seems to me to be pointing to a certain amount of 
reverence or at least respect for President Xi Jinping. If so, they don't have to be that warm or deferential, but they choose to, and it's almost as if they're sending a signal to the United States that says, you're not what you used to be. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. It just seems like how things are shaking out here. And even the New York Times article says this represents the United States waning influence in the region. And the article from Consortium News talks about how the United States will arguably will no longer be able to throw its weight around by keeping people divided against each other, fighting each other, and killing each other. The next paragraph of this joint statement in the tri this trilateral statement between China, Iran, and Saudi Arabia says, based on the agreement between His Excellency President Xi Jinping and the leaderships of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran, whereby the People's Republic of China would host and sponsor talks between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran. So the phrase host and sponsor talks, that phrase jumps off the page at me. So China is going to host and sponsor talks. In international affairs, symbolism means something. Symbolism speaks loudly. So the fact that, you know, that, that this is occurring in Beijing, these people are traveling to Beijing, and the People's Republic of China is going to host and sponsor talks, is a different scenario from Chinese diplomats, or, and even President Xi Jinping, traveling to Saudi Arabia, or Iran, or another neutral third country. Still different would be if all these countries somehow converged on Washington, D.C., and the United States was involved and in inserting itself into talks between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Theoretically, it's possible that the substance of the talks would be the same, irrespective of the location, but the symbolism matters, and it's symbolic that these talks have occurred and will occur in Beijing. The next paragraph in this joint trilateral statement between China, Iran, and Saudi Arabia says, proceeding from their shared desire to resolve the disagreements between them through dialogue and diplomacy and in light of their brotherly ties. So here's some phrases that jump off the page at me. One is shared desire. Another is resolve their disagreements. And through dialogue and diplomacy, and in light of their brotherly ties, there's, you know, five or six or seven words there that indicate 
We're going to pursue common ground. We're going to try to be diplomatic. We have shared desire and shared interests. We're going to try to resolve our disagreements instead of fanning the flames of war and violence and conflict. Another strong word is brotherly ties. Even though one is Shia majority and another is Sunni majority, we're trying to, we're, we're all is Islamic here, we're all Muslims here, and we want to, uh, you know, we want to resolve our disagreements through dialogue and diplomacy and in light of our brotherly ties. In other words, let's stop fighting with each other. And I'm here to say, you know, isn't this very, very good? You know, consider the mere possibility that this could have happened a long time ago, but for the interference of the United States and the machinations and the maneuvering whereby the United States keeps people at odds with each other because the people at the top have always done Uh, One thing that they've always done very, very well consistently over time is to keep people down below divided against one another. Martin Luther King talked about this. Vandana Shiva talks about this. Divide and conquer or divide and rule. If If the people down below are using all their energy fighting with each other, then the people at the top make off like bandits. In this case, the people down below are Iran and Saudi Arabia. People at the top are the United States, which has a vested interest in keeping people divided against one another. Now, this next part is very good. If I, Hart Hagen, had my way, this part of the United Nations Charter would be taught in schools every year. The United Nations Charter is a treaty signed by the United States in the late 40s. Nobody made us sign it. We signed it freely and without coercion, and we break this treaty every single day. And when we break this treaty, we're breaking our own constitution. So here's what the treaty says. The United Nations Charter is a treaty. Here's what the treaty says. It says, all members shall settle their international disputes by peaceful means in such a manner that international peace and security and justice are not endangered. More to the point, all members shall refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of any state. That deserves repeating. Why don't you repeat that, Hart? I think I will. All members, that is all members of the United Nations, the United States is a member of the United Nations, China, Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, almost all the countries of the world are members of the United Nations. And it says, all members shall refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of any state. In other words, whenever we do regime change wars, whenever we invade a country like we did to Iraq and Yemen, not we didn't invade Yemen, but we're facilitating the Saudi invasion of Yemen. So, uh, you know, what are the kind of Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Grenada, 
uh, Iran, Guatemala, Haiti, Vietnam, Korea, just to name a few of the countries that we have invaded or uh, interfered with. Uh, Cuba, we've constantly harassed Cuba for the last 60 years, harassed and carried on a war, a terroristic war against Cuba, the last 60 years. Every time we do that, every single time we do that, we are violating this provision of the United Nations Charter, which says all members shall refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of any state. This is Hart Hagen. You're listening to The Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. So Iran and Saudi Arabia here are saying that we are going to adhere to the principles and objectives of the Charter of the United Nations. It also says in this trilateral joint statement, the Saudi and Iranian sides expressed their appreciation and gratitude to the Republic of Iraq and the Sultanate of Oman for hosting rounds of dialogue that took place between both sides during the years 2021 and 2022. The two sides also expressed their appreciation and gratitude to the leadership and government of the People's Republic of China for hosting and sponsoring the talks and the efforts they placed toward its success. It goes on to say, the three countries, that is Iran, Saudi Arabia, and China, the three countries announce that an agreement has been reached between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran that includes an agreement to resume diplomatic relations between them and reopen their embassies and missions within a period not exceeding two months. And the agreement includes their affirmation of the respect for the sovereignty of states and the non-interference in internal affairs of states. In other words, we're not going to be interfering in your internal affairs, and that includes not making war on you and not supporting militias in your country. So here's something I haven't said very much about so far, even though it's central to this, and that is the role of China. I've, I've said a little bit about it, but it, it's funny how, you know, in the West, we're so propagandized by our media that China is the enemy and Russia is the enemy and we've got all these enemies. And since when does the government of the United States get to decide who my enemies are? Since when does the media of the United States get to decide who my enemies are? You know, there's something about war that makes it easy to accuse people of treason. And, you know, if it's a war, you're either with us or against us. If it's a war and you're not fully on your side in the war, then you might be giving aid and comfort to the enemy. It's messed up, especially since the reasons for getting into a war are almost always bogus 
that, you know, every war we've ever had, almost, is rooted in a lie. Even the so-called good wars, like, you know, the, the World War II. There's a whole heaping helping of lies associated with World War II. But let's assume for the sake of discussion that World War II was a good war. That was 78 years ago. It ended 78 years ago, and I defy you to name one war or military action in the last 78 years that was legal, moral, ethical, or in keeping with the principles of any ethical system. And name one war in the last 78 years that has been constitutional. Every single war, every single military action or regime change, including economic wars, has been unconstitutional because for one thing it was not a declared war, and for another thing, anytime you're violating the United Nations Charter, that is unconstitutional because the UN Charter is a treaty that we entered into, and the Constitution says treaties are the law of the land. So if you go against the provision of a treaty that we signed, it's against the law and unconstitutional. But we do it every single day. So I posted something on Facebook related to this thing that that China, you know, last week China not only brokered a deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran, but China is trying to make peace between Russia and Ukraine. And my episode last week was all about how Biden said this peace deal that China is proposing between Russia and Ukraine is not rational. I, and he said, I haven't seen anything in it that is worth looking at. Well, that is the most degraded, <laughs> degraded commentary coming from one of the most degraded individuals you can imagine in the position that he is in. Here's what he says is not rational. Uh, and this is part of the 12-point peace plan that China proposed to end the hostilities between Russia and Ukraine. Number one, respecting the sovereignty of all countries. Universally recognized international law includes the purposes and principles of the United Nations Charter. There's that United Nations Charter again. Must be strictly observed. The sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity of all countries must be effectively upheld. Since when has the United States respected the territorial integrity or the political independence of any country? I'll tell you one country that we didn't respect the territorial integrity or political independence of, and that's Ukraine. The war in Ukraine did not start in 2022. The war in Ukraine goes at least back to 2013 when there was a civil war in Ukraine that was instigated or at least uh, taken advantage of by the United States. We, the United States, decided who we wanted to be the president of Ukraine. We did not want a neutral president of Ukraine such as Viktor Yanukovych had been. We wanted a president that was pro-West and pro-NATO, and there's uh, released recordings of a telephone call between Victoria Newland, which is just one smoking gun in this whole uh, scenario. Victoria Newland, the 
secretary, the Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, one of at least three people who have taken responsibility for blowing up the, uh, the, the Nord Stream pipeline. There's another example of not respecting the uh, territorial uh, sovereignty or the political independence of other countries. We blow up the Nord Stream pipeline if, if uh, Seymour Hersh is to be believed. So Seymour Hersh wrote this article that said the U.S. blew up the pipeline, and there's no better theory as to how it happened. So anyway, some countries want peace, some countries want war. If you're in the United States, you're in a country that wants endless war, and it doesn't help you or anybody. Oh, look at the time. Bye now.